I'm Rob Langham and welcome to Sounding Board. This sector isn't the podcast as you'll have come to know it. No, today we're launching the first in a parallel series of pods that will run alongside our regular shows, available on the same feed in iTunes, Podbean and elsewhere. Of course, we're nothing less than absolute trailblazers in launching an interview series, and it's surely only a matter of time before Barack Obama and Tom York and those kind of characters will be battening down the door in desperation to reach the inner sanctum of my garage. For now, though, we're going to concentrate on a far more interesting sequence of musical guests. And first up in the hot seat is music promoter Simon Bailey. Simon's Future Perfect organisation extends in various guises across the UK with Oxford, Wolverhampton and Leicester, particular areas of activity. In Oxford, he's done the impossible by further enhancing an already fantastic and vibrant music scene. His stock in trade, the hiring of touring bands to come and play at the city's various venues. He's brought to the Dreaming Spires a varied roster of acts, including Slow Dive, The Moon Landings and local hero Gaz Coombs on a returning show, while the likes of Ghost Poet and The Big Moon will be at Oxfordshire in the autumn. I chatted to Simon in late June 2017 and it's a fascinating insight into the ins and outs of the business of music promotion, the energy required and the importance of creativity in firing a city's musical landscape. Enjoy. So hi Simon, you're a music promoter, local music promoter here in Oxford. Tell us a bit about your company, Future Perfects, and how long it's been going. Yeah, no worries. Uh, thanks for having me, by the way. That's all right. I've wanted thanks. to actually do this for a while, so I'm yeah. quite, quite pleased to be here. Great. Um, so, Future Perfect, uh, it was... I used to work at the O2 Academy. I came down from Birmingham uh, Academy, and I was here for a year with the venue. And essentially, it came about from that because... I noticed there was a good scene here, there was a lot of people, there was a lot of little cliques and it was quite disparate, you know, but there was good things going on. Obviously he's always produced great bands, but there didn't seem to be a promoter here, you know, sort of um, doing what I do, which is bringing in touring bands on a regular basis, you know, at the, at the very base level, free entry shows, whatever, and taking them right the way through. So that's something I'd wanted to get back into, I was going to go back to the Midlands and do it. And uh, it just seemed it was a happy accident, right place, right time. It was just sort of like, love being here, love the city. Um, this is, you know, opportunities there to do exactly what I wanted to do. So that's sort of how it came about. It was quite a natural thing, well, really. Well, I mean, as I, as I said in the preamble, I mean, it's been great for the rest of us because, you know, the stuff that you've brought in in recent times has been fantastic. So, you know, which gigs would you say have been your biggest coups so far? What are you most proud of? Well, the biggest has got to be Slow Dive uh, yeah. earlier this month, I think. Yeah. Um, spent about a year trying to get that show. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, was a happy accident. I mean, 15-year-old me is uh, sort of was high-fiving himself when, when it happened, you know, but... Um, I mean, I've been a huge fan of the band for a long time. Yeah, I've got a bit of a bucket list of bands I want to work with, and they were they were you know firmly on there in the top three. So, yeah, luckily um, I knew I'd heard they were reforming. Uh, uh, well, a good few months before it was announced, a friend of mine told me he was going to be managing them. You know, he manages some big bands, and he uh, yeah, we ended up having a conversation and. So I sort of knew it was going to happen, and then it was sort of like, well, you know. But I was working for the academy group, so, you know, I didn't really think I was going to get a chance to do anything. 
Uh, I literally, I went to watch, uh, I was in, I work in Bristol two days a week. Uh, that's another th- right. thing. But So I was staying over and uh, realised that Minor Victories were playing. Um, and it was their second gig as Minor Victories. Mm. And that's the collaboration with the guy from Mogwai. Stuart, yeah, yeah, yeah. Braithwaite from Mogwai and, yeah. and, and Justin from Editors and, yeah. and his brother and Rachel from Slow Dive. Yeah. So my other friend Steve is the tour manager for Minor Victories and Slow Dive. Realised they were playing Bristol that night and I was staying over, so I got in touch with Steve and I said, can I come down? He said, yeah, not a problem. Went to the show and bumped into Rob, who manages them, and Slow Dive, and then we had a few beers and, well, maybe we could do a gig one day in Oxford. And it just sort of like naturally went from there. And uh, what happened was I saw they were announced for field day and uh, I just put in a cheeky sort of email. Yeah. I know this is probably not going to happen, but... This the day before is free. Would you like to do a warm up? Logistically, it works for you. Close enough to London, and then it just sort of, yeah, it ended up happening. So that was a that was a big coup. That one, yeah, I think it was probably the biggest since we've been here in Oxford. You know? Well, I would say for the listeners, I mean, I was present at the gig and it was absolutely terrific. I mean, it seemed like a real zeitgeisty event. I yeah, think, for Oxford. I mean, they're they're from the Reading area, so I think they've always had a little bit of a connection to Thames Valley. They were part of that Thames Valley scene and. My girlfriend actually, she went to see them at the Jericho Tavern supporting the telescopes in 1990. So she was at a ticket and I think tweeted it recently. So, yeah, amazing. Yeah. So, um, but the gig was superb and I think it's their strongest material. I, I really do. You know? I, I, I've got to agree, actually. Yeah. I mean, the Sue Blackie album for me is, is right up there. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I've got to say, I think the new stuff live, I think, transfers a lot better. So for me, you know, you get the classics and, 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 and those moments are great live, but I, I, the new stuff sounded, for me, absolutely fantastic. I was lucky enough to go and see them um, at the Fleece in Bristol All right. in yeah. March. They did a little show there. So I've, I've seen them twice now in the last couple of months. And uh, yeah, I think the new material, you know, Rob was saying to me for a, a good while, their manager, the record is good. He said, I'm not just saying that because I'm, I'm their manager. He's like, genuinely, it's brilliant. And uh, yeah, when it came out, it lived up, lived up to expectations for me. I, I think it's a, one of the comebacks, you know. I think they were never anywhere near as big as they are now back then, were they? You no, know, absolutely like, not, no. You know, no. it's one of those bands, a bit like the specials when they came back. Yes, yeah. You know, yeah. they came back and they were doing arenas and, you know, it was like they were never that big at the no. time. You know, even though they had a big hit live, you know, they weren't, they weren't a big live band and... Yeah, no, that's very true. So coming back to the, you mentioned about working for the for the for the Academy Music Group, mm. but um, sort of promotion w- was that your start then, or had you kind of dabbled in it a bit before that as well? No, no I started in Wolverhampton, of all yeah. places. It was where yeah. I grew up. Yeah, here on the accent, but yeah. So I started off, and it all started with a bet. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, with yeah. the local band that yeah. I, I was really into, and I sort of became friends with this band, and I love their music, and. Um, we had this uh, producer who, they, they, were, they had a, a Joy Division-y sort of vibe, you know, uh, it, was a bit, it was a bit electronic and he said, I know this great band, he said, I've been working with from Birmingham, they're like, they're the happy Mondays to your Joy Division. It was a band called The Twang, I don't know if you remember them. Oh yeah, I remember them, yeah, yeah. So he sort of put us together and we did, and, and we did some, so, and I sort of like, I was working with this band and we sort of did a couple of gigs with them and then the lads were like, and I was sort of involved as a friend and sort of helped them get the venues and stuff and helped them. And basically they earned more money than they, when they did playing for promoters. Mm. 
It's because we were just hiring the venue and, and, and the band were taking the door, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. And then it was a bit of a bet. It was like, I bet I can get you a gig in Manchester. So I won the bet, mm. I got in the gig. Mm. We mm. did that. And then it was like, right, I bet you I can get you a gig in Liverpool. Yeah. We did that. <laughs> uh, so I won those bets. And the next thing I knew, I was managing this band. Yeah. So that's how it sort of started. I was about 18. And what we did, we... Um, because we put on our own nights at this venue called The Varsity, which was on the circuit at I've the time. I've seen it, actually. Yeah, never yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they'd had, they'd had, there was a period, like, just before this, about four or five years before this, where they'd had every band going had come through there, you know, mm-hmm. Stereophonics at the time and Muse and mm-hmm. all these huge bands, but it had sort of fallen off the map, and they were sort of impressed with what we'd done with, with the shows, and then they asked me to start putting some shows on there. Yeah. So we did some, like... Really tough ones, like, I've got the Tuesday night, basically, yeah. and it was a pound a pint in the pub opposite, directly opposite, so it was like a tough, you know, real, that was the, where everybody went, you know, that was my age, um, but we did some cool stuff, and we did, like, uh, we did we did a gig with the twang, so the twang on, like, you know, second on the bill, and uh, that was the night where all the industry come up from London yeah. on the train, and, uh, they, you know, their booking agent that they've still got to this day was there and mm. labels. And that was the night that they sort of got, you know, the bidding war started. Fantastic. So we did that. And then, you know, so and then that was just sort of how, how I fell into it. So we did that for a while. And then I started trying to get some touring bands. And I booked The Enemy and uh, with 10, 10 days uh, notice. It was like 10 days to sell it and they were on tour with Kasabin and they wanted to do a gig in between on one of the days off. And we booked it and the venue, we sold out so quick we upgraded it to one of the Civic Hall venues. And that sold out as well. We did like 300 tickets in two days. This was just just as their record was due to come out, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then from there, the Civic Hall, then was sort of like, would you want to do some gigs with us? So mm. I started doing some gigs there. And then I took a year out and... Uh, I applied for a job after that in Birmingham at the, at the Barfly venue, didn't get it. And uh, the guys at the Civic heard about that and they just got a phone call saying, do you want to come in um, for a meeting? So I went in and they just offered me a job on the spot. And, uh, and that's sort of how I started. So I worked at the Civic Hall for a couple of years. And then, uh, and, and that's then, always been a kind of classic British venue. Yeah. It's one of those ones you see on the back of T-shirts, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. 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 You know, Morrissey did his first ever solo show there, you know. Yeah. Um, James Brown played there, you know. It was yeah, like, really? Yeah, yeah. amazing. Mm. And the Smiths played there, you know, in the 80s. and uh, Amazing, amazing, amazing history. We've got, we've got three venues, or they did have at the time, the Little Civic and the Wolfram Hall, which is amazing, one of my favourite venues you know, around. So to work there, you know, such a big, 3,000 capacity venue in your hometown, yeah. that was quite an honour, you know, and I really learned quite a lot from that experience. And then, I, and then I sort of ended up, I did a few years of that and that was booking shows as well. Uh, that was the job and like, you know, sort of like duty managing the venues on the night. And then I went, ended up at the academy from there, which the role then, I was there for five years and that role, there was wasn't really any booking. Was that involved. in Wolverhampton as well? Or? No, it was in Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there wasn't any. I wasn't getting to promote, book the bands and promote right. them. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I is pretty much calculated gambling. That is the mm. job, and, mm. and I miss that fix, that adre- adrenaline rush you get yeah. from doing it. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a bit more about the ins and outs about how yeah. we go about that in a bit. But just to cast back a little bit, you mentioned slow dive early on. 
as you were growing up, um, who were the most important influences on you, you know, just in terms of the music you're into? And I'm, I'm wondering whether you're going to say Slade or not, but we'll see. Absolutely not, no. <laughs> Although, uh, bizarrely, I've had some bizarre encounters with Dave Hill from Slade, but that's yeah. for another time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a friend um, called Ryan who was from Liverpool and uh, when we were young and we sort of met in primary school and... Growing up, he was a big influence on me right. musically, and he brought. He was. He lived in Toxteth, and he brought this. Um, there was a big sort of Caribbean community there, and he brought this, all this music to me that I, you know, I'd never even heard of. You know, I think the first, the first, like most kids, I was into pop music and stuff like that, and I think I got to about thirteen, and I remember hearing. Um, Hearing uh, Suede, like seeing Suede on top of the Pops yeah. video, and I just remember thinking, God, that's pretty cool. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? I need to know a bit more about this. So, and I sort of discovered guitar music really from there, you know, and got into the Oasis and Blur and those bands. And you know, I mean, I'd say Oasis was a big early band for me, and I know that's probably like a lot of people turn their nose up at that now, but I think at the time, being sort of 12, 13, it was amazing, you know. Just like, they were proper rock and roll stars, you know. I think that was quite exciting. So, yeah, so there was a bit of that sort of Britpop. Um, and then this whole, I was really into reggae, you know, through, through my friend Ryan. And and uh, and, and a, lot of, a lot of classic artists, you know. He, he, obviously, being a scouser, you know, the Beatles were, were always on the stereo. And we got into, like, bands like the Velvet Underground. And, you know, it's just... And, Pretty far out there music for like thirteen year olds, I suppose. So yeah, we had a really broad sort of taste in 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 music at the time, you know. Yeah, well, fantastic. And and but but sort of moving on back to the promotion, that Oxford. But what made you choose Oxford? Why did you branch out to here? Yeah. So so I ended up here. It was an accident. It was sort of there was a I was bored in Birmingham, mm. the academy. And, there was an opening, there was a job came up here and they said, oh, do you want to move? You know, uh, we know you're a bit bored, <laughs> do you want to go? Yeah. And I was like, you know, that's exactly what I needed. So I came down here and I fell in love with the city straight away. Yeah. I remember coming down to do my uh, my interview for the job and I remember just walking through the city. It was pouring down with rain, but really? I was still mm. like, you know, this place is cool. You know, mm. I like it. And uh, so, yeah, I just sort of fell in love with it. It was, yeah, real right place, right time. You know, yeah, because I'm quite a big fan of Birmingham. Actually, and sometimes the, a lot of my friends live in London, and they, they think Birmingham there's not a lot there. But I mean, I, I think it's a great city. Oh, I really love it. City, yeah. yeah, but 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 yeah, Oxford has got this particular. I think it's fair to say we saw it in films like Anyone Can Play Guitar and and a few other bits of media that it has got this sort of slightly unique scene in terms of the local networks. Quite strong, isn't it? So we have like Night Shift which is run by Ronan Munro, which is a really good local newspaper, which talks all about music, and then Track Records, which is a great record store, and quite yeah. a few smaller promoters, quite a lot of small venues. Was all that infrastructure really important for you then? When Absolutely, you yeah, yeah. You, need, you need that. You know, I mean, Ronan's obviously a living legend, isn't he, in, in yeah. Oxford, you know? And he's been very helpful to me, as has Carl, who, who, who manages Truck Store, you yeah. know, he's an amazing guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Truck, I think, is hugely influential on the scene, as is Ronan, you know. I mean, he's got this running joke. If he likes a... If he he does a preview of one of my shows, and it's something a bit niche, he's like, you know, he's always got this gag. He's like, I've done a preview for you for so-and-so. 
probably had about six tickets. Nobody reads the magazine. <laughs> and I say to him, you probably, you, you know, Ronan, you, you're more influential than you, than you realise, you know I mean? We've done some quite obscure stuff that, you know, I didn't ever really expect to sell any tickets on. It was, you know, more for my own enjoyment. And and, and we've had a nice preview from, from, from Ronan in Night Shift. And, and actually, you know, we've done all right. We've done a lot better than I expected. So... I do. I, I think he's, he's he's really important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, he'll tend to whip up an interest, I think, and because of the wider network of people. So an example of this would be a gig you put on. I think it's probably I'm not sure when it was actually, but Josephine Earn and the Liberation. Oh yeah, yeah. Who are also playing in a Ritual Union festival, which we're going to talk about towards the end of the podcast today. But I mean, that was a, you know probably an artist not a lot of people knew, but he was like hammering on the door on that yeah. one, and that was very well attended, wasn't it? I yeah, mean, it was tremendous. It was a two pronged assault there. I almost yeah. didn't have to do anything. I, I booked yeah. them because I thought they were great. The show was fantastic. You were there, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, oh, amazing show. Um, and uh, essentially, yeah, Carl. Carl was really banging the door down on that one yeah. too. He was playing it in the shop a lot. A lot of people going, who's this? And he goes, Joseph Norn, check it out. Yeah. And uh, they, I know they were selling a lot of copies of the of the album in truck and I know Ronan was banging on about it as well. And it was almost like, I almost sat back and was like, yeah, great. Yeah. You know I, mean? I don't have to do anything. <laughs> so what's your favourite Oxford venue or is it a bit sort of impolitic to, to admit on, on, on this podcast? No, I've uh, not got a problem with that. Yeah, I yeah. think... All the venues, like any any venues, really. I've worked. I've worked in venues. I've toured most venues mm. in the UK, mm. uh, in with other other roles that I've done o- over the time. And every venue's like sort of flawed in its own ways, you know, because none of them. Most venues were never designed to be a live music venue, so they've all got their own little quirks and flaws. Um, but you know, I've, I've got equal love for the bully and the seller. You know, I've I've, I've spent. Spent a lot of time working with Tim from the cellar on yeah. trying to improve the venue, make it better for touring artists. And mm. I love that venue. I think the location's great. It's yeah. horrible to load in. Bands hate loading in. Yeah, if, if, if people don't know Oxford, it's right off Corn Market, which is a pedestrianised street right yeah. in the town. So I can well imagine it's not the kind of place that you take a, a massive lorry down. Basically. Yeah, well, they're not happy when they have to wheel their gear across busy Corn Market Street in no. the pouring rain and yeah. freezing cold December. Yeah. But what you tend to find is that, because it's got a vibe to it, you know, uh, it's got something about it, some character. You tend to see from the band's, smiley happy faces at the end of the night and they're allowed to get the van right at the top yes after yes. six o'clock so right so yeah. for the loadout it's always easier so yeah. i always have this joke with bands so that's you know but i think there's something about the vibe we did a we did a show with shame there um a few months ago that was i was right, stood at the back with ronan actually and uh and the vibe in there was just fantastic you know and and, and likewise the bullington you know it's got Loading in is fantastic. You've almost opened the back doors and you're straight on stage, you know. And again, that room, if it's empty, this is why we need the seller. You know, if you sell 50 or 60 tickets, you know, it feels a bit vibeless because, you, yeah. you know, it feels empty. But when you've got a full room in there, you know, I mean, that can be a, a real great venue. Yeah, I mean, I was recently in April at the Moon Landings gig there, which oh, yeah. I thought was just absolutely incendiary. I mean, it was a brilliant <laughs> gig. I mean, you know, absolutely terrific. I, don't, I think you were there as I well. Was there, yeah. yeah, I mean, really exciting. And so the Bullingdon, actually, I think probably from just before you came to Oxford, 
really improved as a venue. I think they changed the layout a bit, and it used to be pretty pretty unimpressive really and now it's it's great they changed its name back about five years ago yeah it was the art bar, bar. Yeah. yeah yeah so so the bully yeah is a good thing despite the name maybe having associations to well, the conservative party <laughs> <laughs> i quite like that about it though but i'm not that i vote tory i'm very very openly labor but um big, big credit to paul really and agim so agim's the owner and paul is the, the venue yeah. manager um, yeah, they put that corridor, that new entrance in, yeah, which gave yeah. them the 14 plus capability. Yes, all oh, right, interesting. Meant yeah. we could do a lot of the the younger bands, you know, develop bands like the Night Cafe and the Hunter and yeah. Sundara Karma, you know, oh, yeah. through those venues, through that venue, and grow them into the academy. Um, so you know, and then that was one great help. And then obviously Paul and Martin, who's the house tech, you know, they've done great work with the with the technical side of it, the audio side of it. Mm. So you've got, actually, you've got a really solid PA in there, you know, that sounds great. And often, you know, Laurie from Slaves, we did a little slave show in there uh, yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Laurie walked in and he was like, oh, I love this. He said, this is, a, this is what this tour's about. Like, I love this venue. Yeah. You know, That's and at the end it. of the night, you know, and this is a band that likes it loud. And they, and they, at the end of the night, you know, they were super happy. You know, like, this venue's, this venue's great, you know. Yeah. I noticed on your sign-off also that you, you Leicester's another centre of activity. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. So I've, I've got a business partner in Future Perfect. His yeah. name's Nick. And uh, shout out to Nick. Yeah. And uh, he, so he was, he, he programmes a venue called The Cookie up in Leicester. Right. Slightly bigger than The Cellar, but similar sort of vibe. Um, it's got like a bar upstairs. And we, we, we've been friends for a, a good few years prior to me leaving the academy group and we talked about setting up together for a while so he was doing the cookie and promoting other shows in the in Leicester which was a, a, a you know when he started was a real tough tough ask really struggled to get like good bands there because everybody was going to Nottingham it was seen as like it's a bit like Wolverhampton and Birmingham yes you always yeah. get Birmingham rather than Wolves and that was what the the deal was there really and and he worked really hard at it, and he'd been doing it for about three and a half years, and um, doing a great job. And so what happened was, when when I left the academy group, um, we we partnered up, and we come up with this new brand, Future Perfect, together, and that was you know for Oxford. So everything that we do in Leicester goes under the cookie presents. Oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we created this sort of brand in inverted Mm -hmm. brackets for for Mm -hmm. Oxford and, uh, so sort of Nick really, he had the capital. So we sort of used Leicester, some of Leicester's money really to get it going. Cause I had no money when we started it. Mm. I don't don't, don't know what I was thinking. Mm. Gave up a career. We had no, there was no money. And, um, so yeah, essentially Leicester, Oxford's got Leicester to thank, I I suppose, for all the great shows because, you know, we used some money from Nick's business to start a new business and got it up and running. And then, so Nick books some of the shows, so some of the cool shows we get down here, I can't take all the credit for, because he just yeah. booked one or two of them himself, and I booked one or two things up there, and uh, yeah, it's just over the last two years, it's happened really organically. We've got an amazing venue in Wolverhampton that we work with as well now, because I mean, Wolverhampton's been really starved, I mean, yeah. Wolverhampton's been, was even worse than Leicester was when Nick started, so... We've we've got actually we've got an amazing run of shows this year. What's the venue in Wolverhampton? It's called Newhampton Arts Centre. Right, yeah. So I know the guys that run it. I, I knew them quite well from my Wolverhampton days, and 
they sort of got this amazing venue there, but they couldn't really get any shows in. So we started putting in some great shows there as well. But you know, I think Future Perfect is firmly rooted in Oxford. You know, it's it's sort of grown from here. Yeah, we are opening our own venue, another venue in Leicester. All right, yeah, uh, which is pretty cool. No plans for Oxford at the moment for venues, but essentially, yeah, we sort of promote across the three cities. Yeah. So we have a, we have a festival in Leicester called Handmade, which is kind of similar to what Ritual Union is, but that's in sort of uh, April, end of April. Okay. Mm. So that was the idea. We wanted a festival in each city, mm. uh, one sort of in the one touring window and one in the other, which is sort of how Ritual Union come about. I think you're going to get to that. Yeah, that's probably going to be sort of have it stick in people's mind by probably being one of the last things yeah, we okay. talk about. But uh, just quickly, any local bands in Wolverhampton or Leicester you think are ready for takeoff? Sort of impressive stuff. That, that... Wolverhampton's been a bit quiet. It's got a great history, but I think, I've, yeah, I've, I've not come across anybody that I think's really going to go. There's um, there's a there's a couple of great artists in Leicester actually. I mean, there's. There's quite a few bubbling under that are signed to major labels, people like Mahalia and uh, Martin Luke Brown. And, so there's some interesting stuff there, but there's a band called Ash Mammal who've got a bit of a placebo sort of vibe going on. Who I, I watch them, I, I go to Leicester a lot and I saw them doing a, a support slot first on to, for somebody about 18 months ago. And I, said, I remember saying to Nick, like, this band, they've got it. And uh, yeah, now they're doing like 450 tickets in Leicester, you know, and... I think this could could happen for them. There's a there's a guy called CJ who works for us now up in Leicester, and he does a lot of the artwork. So a lot of the posters and flyers you see around and stuff that's all CJ. Uh, but he's got a project called Magique, which is quite a pop thing, which actually is is there's a bit of synergy with Oxford there because he records at Safe House Studios with Kit Monteith. Oh yeah. So Kit's become kind of a part of the project. It's almost become the two of them, but that's. He's re- really good. Uh, it, it, so he's uh, formed a band around it now, but it really is CJ's project. Uh, and they supported Willie Healy in uh, Modern Art yeah. in the month. And I think he's, that's got real potential as well. I think CJ's really talented. We've worked with him for a long time in another band he was in. So, yeah, there's some good stuff. Yeah. Sounds good. And Willie Healy is a local artist here from Oxford who's very much on the cusp of breaking through, I think, isn't he? He's had Radio uh, radio 6 music play, I think, quite a bit. Absolutely, he? yeah. I think yeah. essentially every time Will puts something out, they, they lap it up, 6 music. Yeah. They, they love him. I think he's got an album next month as well, I think. August, I think. Yeah, 18th yeah. of August, right. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's called People and Their Dogs. I right. Think, I think that's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think anybody that's had half an eye on what we're doing will know that Will's probably, you know, our favourite local artist. It's yeah. somebody we've championed a lot. Done three fantastic shows with Will over the last sort of nine months. Um, there may be another one coming soon. Right. Obviously an album show. But yeah, so I'm really excited for Will's record. I think he's a, yeah, he's a real, real, real talent. I think he's got a big career ahead of him, long, long term as well. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's going to be reviewed in next month's Night Shift magazine because it was on the list of, of things for review, actually, uh, yeah. which was sent a couple of days ago. And there was a music roundtable, I think it was earlier this year or late last year, which January. happened at the Cellar in Oxford, which was a fascinating afternoon. I wish I'd had my podcast equipment with me because it would have been a great thing to have recorded. There were people from We Got Tickets, from the Arts Council, various yeah. other places, and Simon took part in this. And... and 
you said at that that you you know someone asked a question for the audience which was how you go about picking the bands which is obviously a massive question because I'm sure it's all sorts of ways but I think you mentioned something about surrounding yourself with a few people you did say rather modestly a few younger people but you know <laughs> is that pretty much one of the main things and what about what are your main, main primary sources of information would you say in terms of sourcing new bands that is a tough one because I don't think there are any set formulas. Firstly, I'd just like to say credit to Vez for putting that together. Actually, yeah, it was cracking, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. she yeah. so she does the marketing for the seller and um, she runs a regular folks. Um, mm. She does a festival once a year and some some sort of one off nights, uh, which are very cool actually. And she came up with this idea. I don't think anybody knew how that was going to do. But yeah, it was it was packed, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was quite nervous actually. I just turned around. I was having a coffee. I turned around. And the room was filled up. Yeah, we we loved it. It was yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it was good. So mm-hmm. she she planned on doing it again next year. So oh, keep great. an eye out for that. But yeah, I go back to that comment made by myself. Yeah, I, th- I think um, so. One of the people who I sort of looked to is CJ, who I spoke about just now, Majik. Right. Yeah, uh, he's somebody that's always sort of. Uh, got his finger on the pulse you know and bet your bottom dollar like he'll tell me about something in six months time you know they're, they're doing quite well there's another guy called Nick who's in uh, Bankle Vanzella from Bristol who, who play for me a lot up here and have got a really good following up here now and he's another one who's very good at like he yeah he's good for sort of finding out I find out what he's into at the moment and he's he's pretty generally pretty on it yeah. So I think you have to do that. And then other bands you come across through just booking agents. Right. Same okay. stuff. Mm. So my love affair with Idols was a happy accident. We'd done Slaves, as we spoke about earlier, and, uh, and Idols' agent was on maternity leave. Right. This is a bit of a long winded story, but I'll try and keep it brief. So Idols' agent was on maternity leave. So somebody else in that office was looking after it who happens to be Slaves' agent. And he got in touch and said, after we'd done the Slaves show, I've got this band, we're rooting this tour, would you be interested in the show? And I had a listen and I thought, this is all right. But I felt like I owed him a favour because we'd done this Slave show that, you know, I mean, everybody was raving about, you know, talking about for months. And I thought, well, I've got to do this. So we did it and we did about 35 tickets and I was just stood there and I was absolutely blown away by this band and it was just, you know, it was just a real happy accident. Uh, so yeah, I discovered one of my favourite bands around at the moment just yeah. by pure mistake really or trying to help what I thought was trying to help somebody out. But that's gone, that's taken off, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, they're really you know, much talked about. One of the main bands that have broken this year, they're from Bristol, aren't they? I yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. What about the music press and blogs and online stuff, anything? Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Anything? But, you know, I, I think it's just, a lot of it's blind luck. There's a band I've been helping out, of route, I've, I've booked them a little tour uh, for October, When's this going to go out? Probably, uh, probably, because podcasts exist in this sort of otherworldly space, yeah. but probably in the last week of June, I would say. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah. I can talk about this. So, yeah, so by the time you're hearing this, it will be announced, but mm. there's a band called Mellow Gang who are going to be playing Ritual Union Festival. Right. Mm. And they've self-released an EP which comes out on the 23rd, which is tomorrow. And they or last week if you're listening in now. <laughs> and uh, and they, they managed to get a little bit of radio from it. And 
One of the things they got managed to get was a one-off play on Six Music on the Lauren Laverne show with... I can't remember who was sitting in last week or the week before. Anyway, so I, sort of, I heard this song and I was like, what is this? And it was one of those things where I was listening and I was praying for the phone not to ring because I wanted to hear who it was at the end, you know. I didn't want to miss what the presenter was saying at the end. And this other's Mellow Gang and I was like, right. So I went straight away. I looked, who's this band? I've not heard of them. And, uh, and I just got in contact and uh, we've been chatting ever since and I've, I've booked him a little tour. I'm going to watch him in London. They're playing the festival. And uh, yeah, so I just discovered, and it was dead lucky because they haven't had any other plays on Six Music. So it was just luck that I happened to be listening at that point, you know. But I think they've got a think they're a bit like Beach House, I think like Beach House oh, yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, I think they've got a big future ahead of them, yeah. They, you know, there's a couple of songs out there at the moment that, you know, just blown me away. I've had them on repeat. So, you know, you can find it anywhere, any recommendations, you know, anything. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's the same, but just as a punter for me, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I've actually I've really started to get attached to Loud and Quiet magazine, which you can get in truck store and all around the country, yeah. and I find that they, they're a good judge, I think, and they do some very good podcasts as well, but of course, Night Shift locally is invaluable for anybody who's listening to this who lives in Oxford. We'll probably go into a little break in a minute, but just before that, you did mention at the same round table that you know anybody who who thinks of Oxford wherever you live in the world is going to think of one thing and that's the university and students but you said that you felt that students are conspicuous by the comparative absence of Oxford gigs and I would probably concur with that it is a bit of a puzzle any thoughts on why that is it's something I've been trying to work out and something I've been trying to work hard to change um honestly I think I mean when we were younger, I think that was what you you got into bands, you know. And I think we grew up in our teens listening to bands, you know, and that was a, a thing. And, and and it's some of us it stays with some of my friends that were really into music when when we were teens. They they go out and watch some of the bands that we were listening to then, but they're not don't really keep up with it, and you know they haven't got that same voracious appetite for the yeah. new music that some of us have. <laughs> So what we seem to find is a lot of the audience around here are people that were music fans, have been music fans all their life, or into new music, and you know tend to be in their sort of late twenties, early thirties, early forties, whatever. And the students now, from from experience of working in venues, you know they're more interested in going to club nights, yeah, you know, yeah. and 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 that sort of music house and grime and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think. A lot of them just aren't that interested. But then, you know, I met a girl who, who worked at the cellar and she went, she went and got a job there because she'd watched a band there that she loved. She's studying here. And she told me, I spoke to her at the bar after, you know, after a few shows and stuff, and she told me that I got a job here because I came and watched Yonica and I thought it was brilliant. Mm, which I was at that gig, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah which was great. Yonica and Gurr, that was a great gig. Oh, no, this was before. Oh, was it? We, we right, did it in yeah, November yeah. last yeah. year. We yeah. had Yonica yeah. on. We did a free entry show. Yeah. And she got a job at the venue so she could go mm. and watch some bands. So they're, 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 they're the students out there, but they're not in the numbers that, you know, you'd have expected 10, 10 plus years ago. 
No, um, I think the other factor is the the college system here at Oxford means that all the colleges have got very cheap bars yeah. and, uh, and and a, you know an internal social scene that I think people eighteen year olds obviously attracted to you come and and you kind of hang out in that bar really. Yeah, it's said someone said to me the other week that students don't tend to cross Magdalen Bridge, which is the bridge that connects the main part of the city with East Oxford, where a lot of the venues are. But, yeah. But um, there are some exceptions. I saw Tame Impala a few years ago here, and that was absolutely packed with students. Yeah. So I think it can happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we did, like, Loyal Carno. We did two shows. It was oh, yeah. absolutely ran with young mm. people. You know, but, uh, Ben, a.k.a. Loyal Carno, had played uh, one of the uni balls last year, Oxford uni balls, you know. So, you know, he'd already got a following before we'd even done a gig, you know. It does happen, but I think it's, it's sort of... Um, Majoritively, you know, I mean, the academy do a Wednesday student club night, you know, that's by their own admission, they'll tell, you know, it's, it's quite a cheesy, it's a cheesy sort of night. Yeah. But, you know, it's, and they open at 9.30 and it's rammed right through till close and that's where the students sort of want to spend their money. I think they've got a limited amount of money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you, these days. Really. Yeah. yeah. And having worked in sort of and promoted in several cities... You go into any university town, it's it's the same, it's not just Oxford. You know, all the universities, they are businesses in themselves mm. and they work very hard on keeping the students on campus and in, in the student unions, you know. Mm. Uh, you're not allowed to mark... I mean, <laughs> we do shows at the O2 Academy in Leicester, yeah. which is part, which is inside the university. Right, yeah. And yeah. we're not allowed to advertise to the students. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, the venue aren't allowed to advertise to the students because mm. they want to keep them... For their own nights, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're businesses, you know, the student retail, they're closing one of the rooms, right, which is a really famous venue in Leicester called the Queen's Hall, which is, yeah, I've heard which of is that. a beautiful mm. venue, it's mm. our favourite venue in Leicester, mm. and they're closing it and they're turning it into shops because they estimate it's worth two to three million pound a year to them in retail, so, you know, it's sort of, that's what you're up against, you know. This is such a pity. This would explain actually why uh, somewhere in Oxford that was a venue a few years ago was Brooks. Yes. Oxford Brooks, which there's nothing going on there now, is there, I don't think. No, there hasn't been, but I I have spoke to them recently because I was looking for some alternative venues and uh, because that used to be about a thousand capacity and they are in the process of creating a new space which is going to be empty gigs, but... I believe it's going to be 500 capacity. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of quite close to what we've already got, really. Yeah, the is the O2 about the that? Or is it... The, academy, the main room, O2, is 1,000. 1,000? Yeah. 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 And yeah. Um, the uh, Academy 2 is 400. Yeah. And the Bullies 320. So, you know, it's kind of quite close to what we've already got. I was looking for a bigger room. Yeah, yeah. Really, but... We're going to have a little break now. Okay. We'll be back after the interval with a few more questions for Simon. Welcome back. Simon from Future Perfect is here and you will have, I'm sure, enjoyed the first few minutes that we've been talking about his activities as a music promoter in Oxford, Wolverhampton and Leicester. Simon... How much time or negotiation goes into setting up the average gig? And I'm sure it's a real variation, but average, say. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I was looking at this the other week because we do, you know, some of the smaller shows you do, you know, you sort of lose money on. You're doing them because you enjoy them or whatever. I was looking, 
was looking in the folder, the email folder, like 9,500 emails for like a small little set of shows or something, you know. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah so it can, you know, they, the booking process is, is probably quite quick. Um, to be honest with you, you get an email from the agent. What what dates have you got in this period? And then send me your offer. Okay, there you go. Right, ready to go. Confirm. We're going to announce that this date. We're going to go on sale this date. You do that bit. That's quite quick. And then the main work then is is actually in promoting the show. You know, you've got to give each show, you know, an equal amount of time. And then and then there's the whole what we call advancing of the show. So, you know, sorting out the logistics ahead of the day with the band's tour manager and the venue. And, right. Um, if you've got some, normally I've got what we call a rep looking after the show, which is Richard spoke about earlier so yeah there's a lot of liaising between everybody making sure everybody's got all the same information and you know it's all the technical side of it kit share you know (laughs) of course yeah you know there's all all sorts of factors and you know bands want to bring in their own sound desks and all that sort of stuff so it's all really there's a lot of work goes into making sure the show runs on the day you know on time that's a, a lot of the Big part of the work, really, as well as the promo. Yeah, I can remember back in the day, you know, 30 years, man and boy, but, you know, bands used to generally come on quite a bit later. It used to be a real movable feast, so you'd be at gigs and bands would come on about midnight and things, but that seems to have disappeared a bit as it because of sort of noise regulations and things that usually there has to be a roughly set schedule. There is that, and, and, and a lot of the venues, like the Cellar, for example, they do a, a club night every night, Tuesday yeah. through to Saturday, so... You have to be finished by ten, mm. and then you sort of like got to rush everybody out so they can get set up for the club, you know. Which is really where they make their money. I, I understand it, you know. They don't really make a huge amount of money off the gigs, yeah. You know, so yeah, there's there's that. There's the club culture that's sort of changed gig going times, and uh, I think everybody's a lot more professional now. You know, there's a yeah. lot of like. You know, all the tour managers and even the bands turn up these days. They're so professional. Yeah. Sometimes I wish there was a bit more rock and roll. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I kind of <laughs> want a band to come in and be absolutely smashed and <laughs> gobby and, you know, because it doesn't happen very often, you know. No, there is an incredible amount of politeness. <laughs> I was talking to the Loud and Quiet music podcasts and uh, everybody on this just lovely. They interview, you know, and you think, oh, come on, you know, be a bit rude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? I do. I was having this conversation with somebody the other week and I was saying, yeah. I kind of do wish there was bands were a bit more rock and roll. And actually, I was there. I went to Eurosonic Festival, which is in Groningen. In oh Ireland, yeah, yeah, yeah. In January, and uh, I'd heard about this band Shame, and I hadn't mm. seen them yet. Mm. But you know, and uh, I ended up on a party on a boat. Yeah. Uh, we, and Shame were there, and I remember quite drunkenly at three in the morning telling them they should be more rock and roll. Fantastic. I mean, talking about three in the morning, from the outside, it looks like you have to have boundless energy to do the job and be extremely sociable, which obviously you are. It's been great talking to you tonight. You know, is that the case? You really have to be up for it every night. You can't be tired or think, oh, I need a night in watching Bake Off or whatever. (laughs) Well, that's nice. Yeah, normally I fall asleep to Bake Off, I suppose, you know, when you get in, but... Yeah, it's a very sociable job. So you know, you've you've got bands and tour managers and venues, and you know you've got your regular sound engineers. Everybody wants to chat. So the minute you turn up, it's a uh, yeah. You have to be able to to converse with people, 
you know, build relationships. And, and I always sort of say about, about the gigs, every every day you're welcoming somebody into your home for the day, you know, so with the bands, you know, you sort of like, you got to look after them, make them feel welcome. You know, we had like uh, Tom Grennan, you know, in January, he got like a massive cyst on his face. He was really mm. unwell, you know, and we had to try and, it was a Sunday, it was about seven o'clock, we had to try and find him a pharmacy. Oh, right. You know, like he needed these tablets and... You know, it was just sort of like he would just happen to be unwell, you know, and 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 so it's there's 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 very much an element of there's always every day you face different problems. No two days are the same. And like you say, it is a very sociable thing. Like Ronan will turn up and he he won't buy you a soft drink. You have to have a pint, you know. <laughs> he refused to buy you a soft drink. So you know, there's a lot of that as well. People turn up. Once the show's happening, you know, you, you bump into friends or or people you know and they're sort of like the encouragement there, do you want a beer? And then obviously mm. you wake up feeling a little bit dusty and yeah. you got to do it all over again, you know. <laughs> but from the outside, from my point of view, it, because you're so sociable and friendly, I think that must be part of the, the secret, really, to, to doing well, you know, because people kind of feel there's goodwill there and trust and, you know, people like it. You know, like the ecosystem of, like, working with this this environment in Oxford at the moment you know yeah which is so healthy well hopefully yeah. yeah you know I think you know you've got to locally the scene you need everybody on board you know you need your engineers to to want to you know work for you and go the extra mile you need your venues to want to do that as well mm-hmm. you know you need people like Ronan and Carl to be pushing your shows for you yeah you want the bands to go away going you know it was great there we want to go back to Oxford because they looked after us, you know. So yeah, it is very, you know, it's a hugely important thing. You want to sort of, you, you can't afford not to have good relationships with people. You yeah. Know? So in terms of relate, dealing with the bands, you just mentioned heading to the pharmacy just then. But just generally, what are some of the oddest requests or demands? Are you the person who's responsible for the riders? Yeah. To use that old term. So what are the oddest ones? You don't have to name names, but of course, like if you feel like naming names, that's fine as well. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, again, going back to that sort of professionalism, you know, I, th- I think you see, you hear about like, you know, Madonna and, you know, no blue M&Ms or whatever, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. But I guess at our level, we are we are at the very sort of like entry, yeah. sort of mm. ground level, you know, we're promoting shows up to about 1,000, 1,500 capacity. You don't see anything particularly outrageous. I think a lot of the bands sort of know that they're not really going to get too much the budgets aren't there. We're not talking about like hundred pound tickets, you know, no. thirty thousand tickets at hundred quid or whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, generally on the whole, it's quite sensible, and because of the way the deals are structured, often if you've got a big sold out show, then the band are making more money than the guarantee that you've put down. So often you go back and you say, "Well, listen." It's now eaten into your money, so what do you want to cut from the rider? And you always get an email back from the tour manager going, we can cut that, 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 and that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I always just put it back on them. Yeah. Actually, you're spending your own money now, and then they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we don't need that, or that, or that. Actually, we've got that on the bus, we don't need that. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, there's yeah, on the whole, it's not too bad, but yeah, I think you have a duty of care, you know, so people are unwell, and... You know, you've got to you've got to assist them in that. You know, um, but yeah, the riders. I mean, bless him, Richard. He 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 goes out and buys all the riders now. Yeah, yeah. Um, which isn't the easiest thing to do at the cellar either. Which you know, because no. again, because you're walking down that 
busy street, you know, with bags of stuff and crates of beer. Yeah. Where you're pushing a trolley down there and nobody's moving out of the way for you, you know. Oh, so. I can imagine it. it sounds sort of not at all a, a it's job not that all I would fun. want, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's not all fun. I mean, any other anecdotes from some meeting bands or anybody's particularly nice or, or anything that you, you want to share with us? Oh, there's loads, you know. There's some that obviously aren't probably best not broadcasted but yeah i did um i did i ended up um do you know the chain on um on six music radcliffe and mcconey yeah 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 I, I remember phoning into that once and uh and and they they, they they picked my song which is alabama by neil young oh yeah yeah and uh i was just chatting to it was chris hawkins sitting in and he asked a similar question is because I, I was at Birmingham. I was at the Birmingham Academy at the time, and I used my academy email. So they, I think they got me on because it was like, "Oh, this guy works in the venue," you know. So you go, have you got any any stories, any interesting stories? And I'd got a really funny one recently that had happened with Finley Quay. So oh, I was, yeah. I was like, okay, so I've got this Finley Quay story, and he said, uh, "I'm going to stop you there." He said, uh, "There's a, there's plenty of uh, radio DJs have been fired for Finley Quay stories, so uh, let's just play your song." <laughs> oh, really? Right, okay, interesting. So yeah, so there was uh, I've had some some uh, interesting run-ins. Um, you meet some lovely people. Oh yeah. I think we were talking earlier about Mark Morris from the Blue Tones. You you and I in the break, and he's one of the loveliest people you meet yeah, around. Yeah. You know, he's a great person. Mm. Uh, Idols, who we spoke about earlier. You know. Those guys, not only do I love the music, I think, you know, they, um, the first gig we did, you know, they all came and sat in the bar and I was really busy and they all sat there and we had a pint together and Mm. we just sort of bonded, you know, I just thought, you know, you just wanted to help them because they were so nice. Yeah. You know, they're great guys and I do some work in Bristol, so I spent a bit of time with those guys as well. Yeah. You know, socially. So, yeah, you know, there's some great people around. Willie Healy, again, you know, yeah. he's a lovely, lovely man, you know. So, yeah, I think I think they're the pluses. There, there are some really, really lovely people around, you know. Yeah, is, I mean, my general feeling is that most people are nice, but I don't know whether I'm being a bit naive, but, I mean, I think generally, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, it's, on the whole. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you hear this uh, don't meet your heroes thing, and, mm. you know, what a big hero of mine growing up was Alan McGee, Creation Records. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Signed mm. some amazing bands. Mm some really influential bands on, on, on me personally in, in my scenes and I did meet him one night at, at a club night that he was DJing at and uh, yeah he was quite rude to me and, oh was he? yeah, yeah that was quite deflating oh, but that's a shame Yeah, that hasn't happened for a long time to be honest yeah you know? um, on the whole yeah people yeah because I saw him give a talk when he had his book at Waterstones in Oxford uh, probably a couple of years ago now and he was pretty good actually quite entertaining so I don't know maybe you caught him on a bad night I don't know but yeah know. well I think you know in those sorts of situations where it's more of a public thing hmm. there's definitely a, a persona of course yeah absolutely it's yeah. like actually a young sort of quite impressionable person it's almost been about 21 hmm. you know basically genuinely just went up to him and said you know I think you um you know, I think you've amazing what you did, and and I was just wanting, and he was he was quite dismissive, and really, yeah. it was like you know one in the morning or whatever. He was mm. he was having a break from DJing, and Tim Burgess was DJing, but yeah. he was also quite rude, and it was kind of like I was that that was kind of off putting. But then you know, I think the pros 
far outweigh the cons in terms of the people I've met and, and, oh, and how nice they've yeah. been, you know, against the, the bad, the negative situations, you know. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, in general, do you think the role of promoters within cities and music scenes is sufficiently well recognised and acknowledged? I mean, do you think it's a bit of a, do you think you're a bit of an under the radar group of people? And is there a network of promoters across the country, would you say? Yeah, the, the, we've kind of got a little collective going, actually. Um, mm. there's, a, there's a group of us who, meet now uh, sporadically so we all met just before Great Escape we all went down a day early people similar to myself so the guy that runs the Brood and Elm in Leeds oh yeah, yeah that's Nathan a great venue, is a yeah. great guy um, you know just, and there's promoters from like Brighton and Manchester and Glasgow mm. and um, yeah I think s- some of the guys are, are, are really influential to the, the, the guys from Now Wave in Manchester mm. part of this little collective we've got going and I think they're, they're people who've built a, a real brand in a very competitive market, very competitive city. Uh, and they've built a real sort of genuine, you know, there's a real actual respect nationwide for what they do. So it, the, it does happen. I think a lot of people overlook that. You know, a lot of people, they're not interested, you know, it's just they're going to the gig, they don't yeah. really care mm-hmm. who's put it on or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, they're going to go to the gig, whatever venues mm-hmm. it, venue it's in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then yeah, I do think people that are more into their music, I, do, I, th- I think they do. If if you do what we try, and, I mean, we really try to be selective about what we do. We wanted to build, and I hate this word, a brand, but I think what we, because it's a small city, Oxford, and you know Wolverhampton really, and Leicester. What you need in those sorts of places is you need that sort of trust element. So you're looking to build a core audience who sort of like what you're doing and trust that if they haven't heard of it, they're probably going to like it because you're doing it. Yes, yeah. I you would know. certainly count myself in that. I look at your flyers, which are beautiful flyers, and I just think, well, I've not heard of that band, but I will certainly then go onto YouTube or wherever, or even take a complete chance and go and see the gig. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's nice to hear. Yeah, you know? that's, yeah. That, that and I'm not the only hear. one. A lot of people I know are the same, yeah. 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 So that's what we've we've tried to do, and it sounds sounds like it's paying off. Well, it's that curation, um, isn't there? That you kind of think, oh, that you know, it's the same with a record label. It's the same with some sort of night shift a magazine. It's the same with a record uh, a radio show or like prominently displayed wares in a record shop. Yeah, you tend to think, oh, well, if that person says that's good, then that's worth investigating. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's that's what we've tried to achieve, and but uh, sounds like it's paying off, which is great. But then, you know, it's really difficult because also to do the shows that you love, you know, it's like a band like, you know, Ulrika Spacek that, you know, we spent a lot of time on trying to build an audience here. Well, that costs money. So occasionally you have to do stuff that you're perhaps not so into, but you think it's going to make a bit of money and pay for those other shows that you really want to do. Absolutely. Um, and they supported Zodive, of course, the other, the other day. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so do you have any uh, an eye on other cities Future Perfect could expand into or, or maybe under a different branded name but are you thinking of anywhere else? We've been approached by a couple of venues actually in a, in a couple of cities yeah. so yeah I mean watch this space I think we've pretty much done a deal with one of the venues in one of the cities Yeah. Uh, in terms of how we're going to make it work. So yeah I think what, what I really want to achieve with it is it's not about being a big player you know there's some big players in the in the market some big promoters it's more about what i want to do is bring great shows to smaller towns where yeah. people are sort of like 
there's a wow factor of I can't believe that band are playing here. You know, we've yeah. got to go. Do you know what I mean? And I think trying to prove to the industry and the booking agents that you know you can come and play these places and people are going to come out. You know, I, I don't think people in these sort of more well, the industry would call them B or C towns. Should they always have to travel to the A towns, Manchester, Glasgow, Bristol, Brighton, London? Do you know what I mean? No. Leeds. They shouldn't always have to travel in to go and see these artists. So yeah, that's what we're trying to achieve is, you know, giving you an opportunity to, to see them on your doorstep, really. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, to one of my local, one of my favourite venues actually is uh, Bedford Esquires, which is it's, yeah. it's a great sort of venue in a, in a small town, you know, which isn't that far from Oxford. You know, it's like, but, but they always have a lot of good stuff on, you know, and I, I, I think that's a really well curated venue. And when I was on holiday a couple of years ago, we, we went to the Electric Palace in Bridport, which is a small Dorset town, which is a beautiful old theatre, you know. Yeah. So I think that I think there there are. I agree. I mean, I think actually slightly more inclined to go and see gigs, particularly if I'm going to drive from Oxford in a smaller town, which is a bit easier in terms of logistics than than ploughing into into Bristol or. Or, or Reading or wherever so I think yeah I think there's uh, well what's this space anyway really interested to see where, where this crops <laughs> up I'm, I'm quite excited and um, I mean the big question it's come up a few times we've sort of skirted around it a bit is about the finances I'm guessing the return on a gig is hard to estimate and and that the amount of money you can expect to receive can vary wildly yeah you know how often do you find yourself going out on a limb and taking a real chance on something? I mean, you've said pretty much you do do that quite a bit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's that's part of the fun for me. You yeah, know? yeah, that was that was part of like why I left. I mean, I had a pretty solid career at Academy Group. You know that you know I was pretty well respected there and and and, and wanted, I suppose. But it wasn't. You're just running the venue, so what I wanted to do was to be able to develop bands, you know, take a risk on a band and almost take it from a free entry show, you know, right the way at the library, right the way through to the cellar, to the Bullingdon, to the Academy 2, to the Academy 1. Yeah. That's part of the love for me, you know, and I think those early shows, yeah, you don't make money, you lose money. And yeah. I think it's almost as a satisfaction of, like, almost show, showing people this band and slowly the word spreading and you know October Drift is a great example yeah band they tore the roof off the Bullingdon right and mm. we, we did uh, last year we did this gig and I just, physically I just said to Rony come to this gig if you can try and make this gig and Richard Brabin who wasn't working for me at the time and I just dragged everybody down I could you know a big guest list and we sold about 35 tickets and I was like, you've got to come and see this band. And uh, everybody walked out there going, well, this is amazing. Nick from Oxford Gig Bar. And, yeah. You know, and they were all like, what? That was amazing, you know. Just, just, if you can, try and find the review on Night Shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Ronan wrote a glowing review. And, you know, the and again, they're another lovely bunch of lads, really hard work, and mm. they deserve to be so much bigger. And we did, um, so we had a Goat Girl show at Modern Art. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, sold out, sold out in eight days, free entry. You know, we did like 200 tickets for it. And they, they had to postpone the show, like a week mm. ahead of the show. Right, yeah. And I, and, I, and I remember ringing up October Drift's manager, Neil, and saying, Neil, you're doing Glastonbury the day before. No, it was Great Escape, sorry. You're doing Great Escape the day before. Looks like you're free. Do you want to do it? 
do you want to come and do a last minute free entry show it's a bit of a gamble but you know and we we filled the room yeah yeah in yeah. a week you right. know and it was amazing and, and everybody's still talking about it they go oh, what a great gig that was yeah. so it's great for the guys you know the next time they well, they did a, we did a little festival in the Bullingdon last year they played that uh, so yeah so now it feels like it's growing you know and I can't wait to get them back do the next show do you know what I mean and yeah. I think if we can if we can take it where I think we can take it in Oxford with that band you know that that's what it's all about for me you know yeah. it's uh, it's all, it is the developing and building the audience you know so yeah we take, take a hit a lot yeah, I was going to say. I mean, money presumably isn't the main motivation, or 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 is it? I mean, no, you obviously have to not. make money, but you know. Yeah, you do. Um, I mean, we've got a lot of overheads now, so we've got three yeah. full-time staff. Yeah, two up in Leicester and one down here in Oxford. So you have to find their wages. You've got to pay your bands. You've got to pay your venues. Mm. You always need some cash in the bank, some cash mm. flow. Mm. So you do need to make money. So it is finding that balance now of having that sort of brand but at the same time getting the shows in that, that that pay for the stuff that you want to do as well, you really want to do. Yeah. You know, it's like like a band like Mellow Gang we were talking about earlier. You know, I want, I've discovered this band really early and, and I sort of want to give them a leg up and I want to spend a little bit of money on them, yeah, yeah. on some advertising for them and things like that. So you need to, so to be able to do that, you need to find the money. So, yeah. I mean, personally, I go to do some consultancy with a venue in in Bristol which is my wage and then everything that the business makes it goes back into the business to yeah. allow the business to, to kick on you know uh, so yes the, the money's not a motivator but at the same time you need to find ways to make some as well to keep it all well, I'm keep sure. it all afloat you know yeah I mean I mean, this is a big question and you've kind of touched on a lot of this but overall what's what's the most rewarding part of the job and what's the biggest ball ache would you say yeah <laughs> yeah well, well yeah I guess that goes back to what we were just talking about really is that the yeah. developing the bands is so rewarding yeah. yeah you know to you know I think yeah, I mean, we did uh, Idols we put on on our Leicester Festival and off the back of that show in no- October last year, which did like 35 people in Oxford. Mm. And the record wasn't out yet when we were booking the festival. Mm. I said to Nick, our business partner, because it's really Leicester, the Leicester Festival Handmade really is his thing. And I said, you've got to get this band on. So I, I think I booked three bands for it this year. It was Willie Healy, mm. Idols and Vanzella. Oh, yeah. yeah. Three bands, I've you know, been pushing a lot. And I said, you've got to get this band on, you know, find a slot for them. And he did, fair play. And somehow it ended up, I think the record, they ended up on the main stage about five o'clock on the Sunday. And uh, I was up there all weekend. And yeah, the Sunday was a bit flat. I, 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 I stood there, I watched this band, Idols, like, absolutely, in the main room of the academy there, absolutely blew the place away, you know. And uh, we, we did a thing on the Handmade Facebook page after after the festival, who was your band of the weekend, and honestly, every comment was Idols, 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 Idols. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it was like, yeah, those moments are what you do it for, really. It was like a real moment. It was like, wow. You know? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Facebook there, which uh, social media is presumably really crucial in terms of publicity. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's the best way to reach people. Now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned, yeah. talked about flyers and that earlier. You obviously, we do all the traditional methods of, yeah. you know, mm. um, adverts in mm. local mags and 
whatnot, and we do posters and flyers. But I think really crucially now, I think yeah, social Facebook media in particular, huge. would you say? Or yeah, because the Facebook ads, it's a really good way to get to people. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. But it's all. Depends on your demographic of, of, of the show mm. or, the, yeah. or, or what you think is your demographic. Mm. Mm. Some shows it's best to reach people on Instagram, other, pe- other yeah. shows, Twitter. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, Facebook is good for a good blanket coverage. Yeah. But a lot of young people don't have accounts. No. Yes, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's just going out of fashion, I'm told. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's never truly going to dis- you know go out of fashion, I don't think, mm. that one. I mean... I mean, I remember having a MySpace, you know, when I was young. Yeah, 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 yeah. That did, really did bomb, but, you know, every band, that was how you discovered bands back then. Yeah, so yeah, MySpace yeah. page, you know. Yeah, it really was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, artists in particular were yeah. prominent on it, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. huge. Mm. But I can't see Facebook going anywhere anytime soon, but, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there. You have to find, and you have to tailor how you promote each show to that show, you know, there's there's sort of set things you do do yeah. for every show, but then there's other ways of reaching yeah. people for each show, if that yeah. makes sense. Are there any bands or artists you yet to put on who you'd absolutely love to stage? There are. Are um, you in negotiation so you can't say? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I've got this little bucket list, and I don't know, there's a few other promoters around Oxford that... Like, you know, perhaps I don't really want to tell them what I'm looking at, but yeah. So no, no pressure. There's, <laughs> there's, 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 um, there's a couple of bands that I'm desperate to work with. That um, one or two of them, I'm hopeful we may get on Ritual Union next year. So, right. Okay. Um, maybe watch this space. I was quite gutted not to get get the Pumerosa show. I'm not promoting. Oh that. yeah, yeah. I think their new record's great. Have they got a show coming up in Oxford? Though? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Bully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've been listening to that a lot. I've recently. got the album as well. It's in the car. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah. Um, so I was a bit gutted not to get that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's obviously like any music fan, there's always bands you want to work with. Mm. I'd say there's probably three or four I'm desperate to do a show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that are feasible for me to get. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Obviously exactly. I'd love to do I mean, Neil Young, but it's never going to yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, is there a possibility in the future that you might think, right? Okay, big event at South Park or something like that, or are you just keeping it? To oh the, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Do you know actually? I nearly did book Neil Young once when I was at the Civic Hall in Wolverhampton. Yeah, yeah. I was very close. It never happened, but mm. yeah, I would love to do a big outdoor sort of uh, what they call a green belt festival, right? Okay, in, yeah, in, yeah. in Oxford, yeah, yeah, you know, sort yeah. of like uh, how how we'd make that work, you know, so licensing is one issue, mm. you know, council, mm. course, you know, South yeah. Park is for me the spot to do it, yes, it but is. you've now got common people, so yeah, would the council want another festival there? Yeah, um, and just before that, there was the the Oxford Oxford Festival, which didn't happen in the end, you know, yeah. which was about three years ago. So it's a risky proposition, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and you've kind of got all bases covered, really. You've got Truck, which does perhaps the the new emerging stuff quite yeah. well. I was well, doing it very well because they sold out months. Yeah, and no, it's terrific. Yeah, yeah. Cornbury's well, that's over, isn't it? That's yeah. last year. This year, you got Wilderness, which isn't far away. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, quite good and common people caters to another market. So yeah. it's sort of like if we're going to do it, then it's got to be the right. Th- it's going to be very hard to pitch it right without sort of really competing with anybody else, which is why we've, stuck, we've done Ritual Union, which is, yeah. you know, quite psyche, shoegazy. Yeah. I really, I really wanted to do a multi-venue festival. Yeah. 
so we've tried to make it kind of niche and almost get people to. It's going to require for it to work. It's going to need people to travel in from other yes yeah. towns. Mm. You know, there's not two thousand people that are going to be into yeah. that festival here in Oxford. You know. So tell us more about it. It's on October the twenty first. That's yes. right, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Saturday. Yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this in you know three years after we recorded it, obviously <laughs> won't mean anything. But that's that's the world of podcasts for you. But yeah, to October twenty first. I got my tickets. At the weekend, actually, which, I did, yeah, uh, yeah cool. absolutely delighted to to be doing that. Popped into truck store and bought them, and uh, yeah, tell us more about it and what you got planned. Yeah, well, we've got yeah. So the the that's that's going to run on Cowley Road, and what I love about it about about the Cowley Road is we've got these great spaces that are all sort of like two minutes away from each other. Yeah, you know. Mm. So for for the proper music fans like yourself, you you know you're probably going to have your you're probably going to have a proper list for the day of what you want to see. And that's what this, this festival's geared at, you know, is people really like yourself that are going to want to get around and see a bit of everything, more than likely, or most oh, of yeah, the bands. Oh, yeah, we love dropping around and seeing a couple of songs here and a couple of songs yeah. there, yeah, yeah. So you've got Academy 1 and Academy 2, which mm. are both obviously in the same building, it's easy to flip mm. around. You've got the library, which is like two, three doors away, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then you've got uh, Bullingdon, which is like a minute from the library. Mm. And then you've got Truck Store, which is obviously a couple more minutes further down. Yeah, it's great to see um, Truck Store part of it, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, we've got that. some cool stuff lined up for there. We've got a couple of really great local bands, a couple of interesting touring artists, mm. and um, I think the Drowning Sound guys are going to be DJing in there Oh, as great, well. yeah, yeah. That's so that good. should be quite cool. Mm. And I've also approached a very, very, very cool label about doing something at truck as well yeah yeah so fingers crossed that'll come off but i don't really want to jinx that by saying no that, no you know. fair enough yeah, yeah yeah but yeah so that's the, so the idea of it is is you know it's a proper it's not about like branding and you know it's not about having face painting or whatever it is you do at festivals these days no, you know, no. like all the other bump it's about I want it to be a proper music festival for music fans. You know? Yes, yeah, yeah. So I just want you to just be able to flit around for at a good price. Hopefully, I think it's a good price. Mm. I want you to be able to just get around and see loads of bands, and you know, just enjoy a day of music. So we've got like a bit of an exclusive, like Pink Shiny Ultra Blast. Yes, yeah. Who yeah. we're only doing two UK shows this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Josephine on, who we mentioned earlier on. She's yeah, she's she? yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, Lots of good local stuff as well. I think August List are playing. Aren't August they? List, yeah, what yeah. a band! Yeah. A shout out to those guys as well. Yeah, I love yeah. that band. I'm yeah. Helping them out with some stuff at the moment. We're going to be announcing a London show soon. Mm, mm. Yeah, they're there. Did you come to the Cellar show? I didn't. I'm afraid, but no. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, I know they're superb, aren't they? Next time you Classy. see Ronan, ask ask him about it. Mm. Six and when when they perform as the six piece band, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. What a night that was. Um, so yeah, they're playing, and we've got a few more sort of like indie pop bands for a piece, and a couple we can't announce yet. Yeah. So you know, hopefully, I'll get a few of the younger kids in, younger crowd. What time um, in the afternoon does it start? Or was it? Is it we're starting at twelve. Twelve, right? Twelve yeah, noon, yeah, but yeah. we can't open the academy till six. Okay. Yeah. Because of their license, mm, yeah. so the bully, the Bullingdon, is going to be quite strong during the daytime. Yes, yeah. We've got yeah. trams playing at like three in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, another amazing band who we might have mm. spoke about earlier. Hopefully playing. Yeah. I'm waiting to find out. And yeah, and then we can have uh, Ulrika Spacek are going to be yeah, in, uh, yeah, in the yeah. bully. 
Flamingards, Baba Naga, like yeah. it's gonna be quite psyche. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in that in that venue all day. Mm. So yeah, it should be really good fun. And then we're gonna turn the Bullingdon. We're gonna change that round into a club night, mm. which is curated by a local band called Low Island. Who are doing oh, really I know. Well. Yeah, yeah. They used to, members of Wild Swim. Have yeah, mutated into them. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. gonna be Low Island and friends. They're doing a series of these club nights around around the UK. Yeah, yeah. Uh, around that time. So it'll be, they'll sort of curate a band or two mm. to play and they'll play live and they're going to book some DJs mm-hmm. for it as well. Mm. So if you've got a festival ticket, you can get into that for free. Yeah. Or if you're not interested in the festival but you want to go to that, then you can buy a ticket for that for five quid. So yeah, yeah hopefully it's going to be, yeah, 12. We'll, open, we'll, we'll start the wristband exchange at the Bullingdon at 11am. Yeah, yeah. We'll start the bands from around 12. Yeah noon and then it's going to go really right the way through till about 3am so it should be an action packed day yeah <laughs> so anybody who's listening to this who thinks they're not going to get a ticket I don't know what planet you're on you need to get down yourself to track records or we got tickets or wherever and, and get your tickets for this because it's going to be like really superb and there's more to come but even just on the basis of what's already been announced well worth going I think and should be great fun and personally I love the whole progressive travelling between venues thing and it's just County Road if you live in Oxford as you'll know it's such a great road to live on in terms of sort of all the stuff that's going on and there's great places to eat and drink all dotted in amongst it yeah so, it's all there yeah, yeah. yeah you know so, so we don't need to provide that you know whereas other festivals do because yeah. you you have got seven or eight great places to eat on Cowley Road, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. So, um, um, so no, well, good luck with it, Simon. I think it's going to be a huge success. And, uh, well, I'd like to thank you for coming in and having a chat. It's been really fascinating. And we hope to get you on a pod on a, a regular episode at some point. We'll probably sort of curate one which will fit in with your particular interests musically and get you in, like, reviewing an album of the month and all that kind of thing. But this is the first of our interview podcasts and uh, I think everybody will agree it's been absolutely fantastic and very enjoyable and very illuminating. So thank you very much, Simon. Pleasure. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it. Cheers. Great. That concludes our first episode in the Sounding Board interview series. Thanks again to Simon. And if you haven't already booked your ticket for the Ritual Union Festival, what on earth are you playing at? We'll be back with more interviews soon, but first a word about the last few episodes of our regular podcast. Episode 18 saw myself and Ben Woolhead provide a forensic examination of the Welsh musical landscape, and Cardiff in particular. And number 17 in the series saw Peter Lloyd and Brian Gerrin studying the interface of guitars and electronic music from all angles. Episode 19... We'll see two previously very popular guests, Amy Laurent and David Cox, return to look back on the era of 1980s pop. And all our 19 previous episodes are available to listen to and download at soundingboard.podbean.com. On Twitter, where a lot of people interact with us, we're at soundingboard69, and we also have a Facebook presence. Thanks once again for listening. I'm Rob Langham, and we'll be back soon.